Every day, thousands of hackers try to steal your crypto. But Arculus uses air-gapped technology by forming a protective barrier that insulates you from hackers and secures your crypto. Order yours at GetArculus.com. You know I'm right. Nick Durst here with Joe Calabrese. Of course, we had Royal Rumble this past Sunday, so we'll be talking about that on the road to WrestleMania. We have a perfect guest here to do so, Joe. This guy with me, with us here today, when I was an intern at WFEN, I would sit next to him on Monday nights in the bullpen while Ryback ruled watching Monday Night Raw, and it was always a treat to, to see his wrestling reactions. And he's currently in a competition with Philip Rivers to see who will have the most kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I believe he had his seventh child uh, in 2020, but we're really excited to have him on. Uh, WFM producer currently produces Moose and Maggie, a uh, longtime producer for Mike Francesa, uh, huge 90s rock guy. Uh, he's a huge horse racing fan, too, so I'll have the opportunity to sneak in a couple of horse racing questions later. Uh, Brian Monzo. Mons, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hey, what's up, guys? What's going on? You guys have nicer backgrounds than me. <laughs> you're, you're coming to us are you coming to us live from the town for tire studios no it's one of the studios but i think this one should be sponsored by like lysol there we go keeping it nice and clean <laughs> in there so brian i want to take take our listeners back here uh to your, to your college days how did you first get involved with wfia so yeah i was uh Work. I was at Kane University, New Jersey, working at their radio station at a sports talk show, kind of uh, with no real experience outside of listening to the radio and listening to Mac and Sid and Mike and Chris and this, the night shows and I Miss in the Morning. And we found a co-host and him and I just barely knew each other and just started talking sports and it became a big passion of mine. I mean, I always liked it, listening to it and hearing it, but never really thought about it as a career a career opportunity <clears throat> and then one of the easy transitions from there was getting an internship and getting three college credits for it and um so i had a couple of radio internships down at some music radio stations down in princeton new jersey and then one at uh, the fan in the traffic department working uh, upstairs in astoria it was boring it was horrible <laughs> but i ended up bumping in the Eddie Scazzeri in his tucked-in Diet Coke t-shirt and uh, begging him for an internship in the programming department. He said, you know, we'll interview you, but considering you're already in the traffic department, I don't see it being an issue. Came in for the interview, ended up getting my car towed, the whole thing. It was a good day, but I ended up getting the internship, and that was uh, late 2004, which is 16, 17 years ago, which is disgusting. And, uh, yeah, been here ever since. So how was, how was the internship experience for you uh, with the programming? Were you doing a lot of tape cutting? Did you do any, in, how was your interactions with on air talent for the first time? Uh, everybody was pretty welcoming. I mean, uh, the first person I saw was Sid Rosenberg and then became, you know, worked with him and, uh, you know, that would dove a lot. And Matt Deutsch was their producer for uh, Matt. It was Joe and Evan. I was Sid and Joe at that point. And, you know, you'd bump into to Mike and Chris and introduce yourself, and they were both really friendly, and you see Steve Summers at night. So, I mean, they were, all, they were a pretty welcoming group, and you had a lot more update anchors back then. 
you know, you had Ackerman during the day, you had Reco doing the overnights, you had, you know, Usler, uh, Minko, obviously. And they were all really friendly and real welcoming to not just me, but all the interns and part-timers. And um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was really cool to kind of see these people that you've listened to growing up or just listened to in college. And next thing you know, you're sitting next to them, you're cutting tape for him, you with Minko, you're trying to understand a word that Minko says. You're seeing I missed for the first time and he was an intimidating person, but his crew with Bernie and Lou were, were awesome guys and very welcoming to all the young guys and, and, and women there. So it was, it was cool. It was, uh, you know, I, I try to remember that time as a, you know, as a, it's, it's a really good memory and a good, you know, it's, you know, it makes me think when you make me think about those times, I think about being in Astoria and um, we were in the basement of the Kaufman studios and, Actually, we were below the basement, as Minko would say. There was the basement, then there was WFAN. And uh, it was nothing glamorous about it. It was dirty, it was disgusting, but it was ours and it was fun. And it was a real, like, uh, brotherhood, sisterhood there. So it was a good time and uh, enjoyed enjoyed those days back in the story. I missed them. I missed them every day. You mentioned a lot of intimidating people, and obviously that must have been uh, wild for you at the start. Uh, so how did you turn the internship uh, into a part-time opportunity, which it seems like everybody does before they, you know, eventually work their way into becoming a producer or a host for one of those shows. So I remember when the end of the internship was coming and Scazzeri would approach me, Eddie Scazzeri, who was head of the internship department at that, uh, that time. There were like, I think there were six or seven interns per semester. And he was like, uh, so, you know, we're looking for part-timers. And what I'll tell you is, you know, you can look at it from a half glass half full or glass half empty perspective glass half empty is we're not going to hire everybody glass half full is all of the people that work here are former interns so you had to be an intern to get a job there and you know I got called in on my last shift to go meet with Eddie and Eric Spitz who was the program director at that time and they said we're going to bring in part-time and next thing I know I was doing overnight shifts on the board I was cutting tape I was uh you know working nights weekends and the journey began of having just a horrible schedule for no money. Um, so it was, but it was fun. I always say, you know, I used to work at the, I used to work at CSB, the Connecticut School of Broadcasting as an instructor. And we do these, um, you know, we bring in perspective, perpe- perspective students, whatever that word is. And uh, we'd explain to them, said, look, when you break into this business and this is six, seven, eight years ago, it's different now. It's podcast and thing. But when you break into this business, yeah, when you're young, you're not going to make a ton of money. You're going to have horrible hours. You're going to lose girlfriends or boyfriends. You're going to lose friends just because your hours aren't going to be as available. But, you know, you're not working on the Brooklyn Bridge. You know, <laughs> you're doing something that's fun. You know, Frances, the use always calls the toy department, and it really is because, you know, while it's serious to us and, and we take sports seriously and it's our job, you know, at the end of the day, we're covering sports. We're involved with callers and guests and um, you know, what's going on in the sports world. And obviously the last year and a half, you know, year has been a little different, but traditionally it's, um, you know, like Mike would say, we're in the toy department we come in every day. And instead of worrying about a pandemic, we're worried about, you know, what Brandon Nimmo's on base percentages. Which is hard. So who was the first host you board operated for and who was the first host you produced for? Um, I, I'd have to be a, you know, when I think about my first consistent shifts here on the board, um, Tony Page, Mark Malusis, 
Evan when he was an overnight weekend overnight guy. Uh, Kevin Burkhart used to do shows. Um, yeah, so those were the you know those were the weekend overnight guys that you'd have to do the twelve to six shift solo. A um, lot of mayhem, a lot of coffee, a lot of Dunkin' iced coffee going in. Um, no sleep, sleep <laughs> schedules a disaster. And you know when I was starting out, I, I worked at Sirius as well part time. I worked at a station in New Jersey covering high school sports. So I'd literally go from place to place to place, sleeping in rest stops, uh, making no money, you know, basically, you know, living on, uh, you know, cleaning myself with Purell at that point, just to, to get by, um, you know, driving from FAN to WGHT to sleeping in my car, to then to going to Sirius for a couple hours. So uh, mayhem from 2004, 2005, till uh, things got a little more steady in 2006, but um, it was a blast, man. It still is. I think about those days and, uh, you know, you're not making a lot of money. You're not, you know, hanging out with your friends that much. You're not seeing your family as much, but you know, it's a good, it was a good time. Um, and doing those early shifts with Tony and with Moose and with Evan, I mean, it was just like, you know, you're like just out of college or maybe even still in college. You're, you know, you're popping your mic on the air on the fan overnight. You're dealing with legendary callers from the overnight that most of them aren't even living anymore. Um, it was wild. It was, you know, but those guys, Tony was great. Moose is one of my best friends. We're working with him now, obviously. Evan, I, you know, him and I have grown very close. Kevin and I still keep in touch. So um, those are good memories and good times. Does it surprise you at all that Kevin Burkhart has become such a mega star no, in the sports industry? Not at all. Not at all. He was awesome. He was, you know, him and I were, we, we, well, he was one of those guys that when I was just starting part time, him and I worked a lot. We grew very close, played golf a lot. You know, when he was an update anchor here, he probably doesn't remember this. When he started as an update anchor here, he was working at CBS State 80 as Kevin Barkhart. He came over to the fan to do part-time update shifts, and he had to use the name Kevin Wing because they didn't want Kevin Barkhart doing shifts on both stations. <laughs> so I bust his balls all the time, and I'm like, yeah, I'm calling you, but I really want to talk to Kevin Wing. It's just, But, um, yeah, I mean, Kevin, it's amazing. When I think of Kevin now, and all the stuff he does with the NFL and with baseball and Fox, you know, dealing with A-Rod. You know, when I talked to him, you know, we did, I did a podcast with Chris McMonagle here for a while. And, you know, we had Kevin on as a guest. And and I remember telling him, you know, Kev, it's, it's, we've come a long way from doing overnight shows to you presenting, you know, a World Series championship trophy to the Chicago Cubs on national TV. Like, that's just, you know, what he's accomplished starting by doing – play-by-play into, uh, you know, on Tecmo Super Bowl to, to now basically doing all the big games on Fox is just unbelievable. And he's a, a great talent. And one thing about Kevin, he's never let the fame go to his head. He's not a douche at all. He's couldn't be – he's the same guy. He's a humble, good dude, um, you know, and he's still friends with everybody around here. And, you know, he's a, he's a beach guy. You know, he's Jersey Shore guy, so he's always going to come back here. Yeah, he's loving the beach out in California right now with Fox. <laughs> Uh, we're going to see a return ever of the Mac and Mons podcast, which uh, a lot uh, of traction. We're on, we're on different shows now. So, you know, our hours are different, uh, you know, and then Chris, whenever he's got free time, he's, you know, the, the, he's very tied up at home. And there's, there's, you know, he's not the, uh, he's not the boss at home. So he's got to take <laughs> care of the kids. Maybe we could get seasons of Mac and Mons, you know, maybe you don't have maybe. to continuously record them. We had some good episodes, so that's a good time telling those behind-the-scenes stories about Minko and, and Usler and Summers. Had, having Summers on as a guest for that was awesome. Minko stumbling through his words uh, was a lot of fun. So yeah, that was a good time. Behind-the-scenes stuff. He's got on to, Great stuff. 
And Chris is, you know, Chris guys has his weekend show. Now he's working with Boomer and I'm uh, no, not with Boomer. He's working with Evan and Craig now. And I see him every day. In fact, I'm going to do his taxes for him tomorrow. So we're still very close. <laughs> <laughs> so with producing, obviously the art skill has to be with screening the callers. What are your favorite type of callers and the callers you can't stand that usually don't put on the air? I hate, I hate the callers who try to tell you that you, they know more than you because they're older. Like that's just right. I've been a Mets fan since 19. I don't care. I don't care how long you've been a Mets fan <laughs> for. You know, I know more than you and that's the bottom line. Um, you know, what I try to do now um, is get a younger group of callers in, uh, try and it's not a disrespect to our callers that have called, you know, all these years, but I try to get guys, you know, new, new, new names, new guys that you might not have heard of the younger audience, try and get them to call in and, uh, be part of the shows because yeah, I'm not sure, you know, one of the things we want to do on the station is get younger and, and bring in a younger audience. And we've done a pretty good job of that and keep that going. So the younger guys who may be a little tentative to call the guys I'm trying to get in now. Is that about it? What, how do you handle the, the prank callers? I mean, obviously you probably cut them out a lot of times, but sometimes they sneak through and is there any system there to make sure you're marking those numbers for future? Um, Oh, we don't get them as much now. Uh, you know, a certain host around here used to draw them a little more. Um, we don't get it as much now. It was tough. You know, it's tough, you know, because guys put on voices and they get, you right. know, but sometimes they get by, you know, and there's nothing you can do about it. And you just got to laugh. And, you know, there, there were producers that used to get really pissed about it. And then you just learn to laugh at it. And, um, you know, there's no real way to stop it. It's going to happen. And, you know, what sucks for them is it doesn't, you know, use the old expression, doesn't get on the air. You know, right. so, um, you know, if that's what you want to do, your life fine. But you try not to get, you, you know, you're trying to be diligent and, and try and really wean these guys out and ask, you know, if you get a sense that somebody's coming on with not much to say, you could really uh, ask them a couple questions off the air that they start to fumble on, and you know, that they got nothing to bring. So that's um, what you're basically doing is a mini interview with these callers before they get on the air to see if they actually have something or something different or, you know, you want to keep them on subject. I hate guys that call up and are like, Hey, I want to change things up a little bit. I'm like, I'm like, we're not changing things up a little bit. You know, it's, that's, you know, you want to produce the show fine or, or be a host, but you know, we're not, you know, we're doing Mets right now or Yankees or Giants. That's, that's kind of what we're sticking with. We're not going to take a call on the WNBA right now. So, I mean, it's just, um, but yeah, the pranks have gotten less and less, um, thankfully. Although, you know, look, we're all human. We laugh at them. If they're funny, they're, you know, we laugh at them. That's what it is. We go back and listen to the clips. Right. Obviously you're, you're a huge hockey fan. So, are you more prone to let uh, some hockey callers on as opposed to other producers on the station? Um, no, I mean, I think they put them on the morning show just to kind of, so they can bust boomers balls about them. But, uh, you know, it, it's, I hate saying this. Um, unfortunately it, it, it's the Rangers or it's nothing. And it's not a me just saying that as a fan, it's just, we don't get a ton of devil's calls. We don't get a ton of Islander calls. That doesn't mean they don't have a lot of fans. They have tons of fans. They just don't call in. Right. Um, and the Rangers, unfortunately, only really get a draw when they're in the playoffs. And the playoffs don't start till April. So unless something happens, like uh, Tony D'Angelo tries to fight one of his, his <laughs> you know, his goaltender, you know, or they get the first overall pick in the draft or something like that, you know, there's not going to be a ton of Ranger buzz during the regular season. It's just what it is. It sucks. You know, I wish it wasn't the case, but. You know, this city will forever be baseball, football, and the Knicks are good basketball. 
Yeah, so let's talk about the Knicks. Obviously, the national story is the Nets, but nobody in New York seems to care. And do you know, are you noticing that you're still getting many more Knicks callers as opposed to Nets callers? Well, when we open up the call, when we when you open up the the, the show to basketball, uh, you know, you're typically going to get the Knicks fans. But I will say that this year, most because of what the Nets are doing and the trades they've made and the players they've brought in, they certainly are getting much more attention on the station and nationally. Um, and rightfully so than, than normal. So, <clears throat> excuse me, geez. While it's still a, a Knicks town, the Nets have cut into it a little bit. And, uh, you know, if they go want to win a championship or just get to the finals, they're going to be a big part of it. And our afternoon show has a co-host who's, I think, the biggest Nets fan around. So, about and the guys that do the Nets here, Carino and Capture, are great dudes. So, you know, anytime we could bring them on is a lot of fun. But, look, it's, it's when the Knicks are good, I say this a lot, when the Knicks are good, there's nothing better than that they just haven't been good for so long that i don't remember what that's like certainly uh and like the same thing as you mentioned the rangers if they're good people pick up traction i know you did some writing for for the radio.com uh with with the rangers how did that opportunity come about for you i just pitched it i uh you know they asked me to do something um they asked me to do something for the station a couple years ago and you know, knowing me being the hockey guy. That's what it was one of those things that people just assumed, you know, I was just because I was like a Ranger fan. I was like the hockey guy. Like every time there's a hockey question, they come to me and that was cool. I got to go on the air with Mike and Chris a few times, talk about hockey, but you know, we, 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 once the, the blogging became a thing and once podcasts became a thing, they would come to me to, to do the hockey. So I did stuff covering the Rangers. I did stuff covering the devils. I did, you know, draft previews. I did, you know, all these things that forced me to, to think a little more, um, you know, going through prospects that I never heard of and watching video and stuff like that was a lot of fun. And, you know, then they wanted me to do some columns on the league itself where I had to formulate some opinions about players around the league. And um, that was a lot of fun. I got to channel my inner EJ Raddick, which was great. No doubt about it. How did the opportunity come about for you to get involved with the Giants radio broadcasts? So it's a good question. I don't remember. Um, (laughs) I was doing the Sunday board op shift for a while. Uh, before I was a producer, I was doing production at the station, like recording commercials and, and updating the inventory and stuff like that. And uh, you did that four days a week. And then on Sunday, I was the board op, and then it became football season. And I said, look, you guys just want me to hang on and do the football games. I will. There for one season. That was the year that the uh, that was the uh, Eli to Plaxico Tyree Super Bowl. I did that whole season, and their producer left after that. Um so they said, you want to slide over and produce the Giants broadcast? And I've been doing that ever since. Today, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. Direct TV Stream brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. And the best part? There's no annual contract. So stop waiting and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Hear that? That's the sound of someone trying to steal your crypto. Every day, thousands of hackers online are doing the same. That's why Arculus uses air-gapped cold storage technology to protect your assets. Using our keycard and wallet app to form a protective barrier, Arculus insulates you from hackers and puts control of your digital assets back in your hands. Order the first truly air-gapped crypto wallet at GetArculus.com. And honestly, it's, you know, it's one of those jobs that I, 
don't really need anymore, like financially or whatever. Not that, you know, but it's just, I, you know, working on a Sunday with seven kids, you don't, you know, you don't feel like you need to do it anymore, but I have so much fun doing it that I, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't want to give it up. I enjoy it. I enjoy being here on football Sunday. It's still fun to see the guys and, and girls here that work here on Sundays and, you know, cracking open a couple of sodas and chips and watching football Sunday, the red zone, dealing with the giants, dealing with the post game show. It's a lot of fun. Pete Hoffman, I do the games with, he's, he's a blast Lance and Jeff and Schmelk. And um, I, I enjoy doing a giants game still. So uh, that's one of those jobs that in this business, I, 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 I look forward to doing every week. When there's a Monday night football game, what time are you getting to the studio and what time are you leaving? So, yeah, I mean, when I was doing Mike show, I was here, you know, 11, 11, 30 anyway, but I wouldn't get out of here to like, you know, 2 a.m. Um, now with the midday show, you know, you get here at, you know, between eight and nine and uh, those Monday night games, you know, I ain't going home. I ain't going all the way home to the Jersey shore between shifts. So it's a late night. You get that two hour post game show. You know, you're here, you're here till one thirty, two o'clock. And uh, you know, those are nights that instead of taking the train, I'm driving home. So um, long days, but um, they're fun. It's still prime time. It's still being in the mix. Um, and I still get a kick out of that. What was the, the process like and whether our interviews when you made the transition to Mike's show? So I interviewed for Mike's show when Eddie Erickson left. Uh, the job went to Ray Martel, deservingly so. He'd been doing it for a long time. And then when he left, it wasn't so much there was like, it wasn't really an interview. I mean, there was an interview process, but it was one of those things where I was, I, I was kind of like next man up. Um, so I, me and Chris took over and, um, we did that show for, you know, seven, eight years. And, uh, we had a great relationship with Mike, Chris and I had a great relationship, so it worked out. And uh, I think Mike was good to us. He, uh, had no issues with us. Um, he didn't really have any issues with anybody producer wise, but I mean, with us, he was, he was good. Uh, I think he liked the calming effect that Chris and I had because neither one of us are really nuts like we're not like my you know very mild-mannered people and that's kind of what you need to do when you're producing a radio show and I think he appreciated that and uh, I was glad to uh do the show until he left the first time and then pick up and finish when he left the second time and last time so during the course of your your time with Mike things became more digitalized Uh, Anthony Gallo helped out with the video Yes. How, how was that for you? Because a lot of times, every time Mike would have a, a big interview or something, people are immediately tweeting you, hey, you're going to post that. And then by the end of the, your tenure there, people would know that, hey, you're actually going to post it and they, they just give you some time. So what was that, that process like there and the transition from where everything was just on the radio to everything's radio.com and the videos going out as well? So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't have to post the video, just the audio, but I would have to alert uh, the video editors that we had that, you know, we had this interview, it started at this time, it wrapped up around this time. This was some of the better parts of it. This is what he said. This is what you should use for your description of the interview. Um, and I still had to do it from the radio side. So it was good extra exposure. Um, you know, the video aspect of the show w- was solid. Um, and I think it helped. And it brought guys in like Anthony, you mentioned, who's, who's a really good worker. And yeah, he's with the company now. So he was able to transition that to staying with the company and working at radio.com. When you, when you get the job with Mike, could you ever envision that you were going to become, you know, this so well-known guy <laughs> from all the, the, the crazy fans and you're going to get this, this crazy Twitter following? Uh, well, I don't know how much of that is actually true, but um, I remember when I got the job 
I immediately got a bunch of tweets about being a Mongo, which I had no idea what the hell that meant. Uh, and I had to get educated on that from Ray. Um, and I enjoyed it, man. I, the, the Twitter interactions, I mean, people like to bust your chops, and that's fine. It's part of the job. It doesn't bother me. But, um, no, it was fun. I, I, I love going, going back and forth, doing my show and dealing with the people on Twitter that wanted to make sure I corrected them over everything. And, you know, he said this word. It's really this word. You know, whatever, dude. Um, but, no, that's – I mean, that's that's what it is now. I mean, it happens now with, with every show you do that – you know, you got to deal with fans on Twitter and it's fun. You know, you open up your DMs, you don't want to know what you get, but it's, um, it's, it's a part of the show now. It's, it's what we got to do. It's, you know, it's, you got to do Instagram, you got to do Twitter, you know, Facebook, all these shows have to have their own pages and you got to interact with the fans any which way you can. So, you know, it's not just, you don't interact with the fans just from the time of the show from, from 10 to two or from two to six 30, you're dealing with the fans all day, all night, you know, during the show, after the show, on the train ride home, on the train ride in, you're, you know, you're dealing with retweets and replies if you want to get involved with that. And um, it's it's fun, man. It's, it's nonstop. The fans are, are still crazy, which is great. So it's Super Bowl week. So, of course, you guys at Mike have the, the competition to give away the tickets. Hmm. Uh, how much work went into that? How do you pick those audio clips? And what do you remember about the time where I think it was a Friday and Mike was ready to go home and you guys didn't give out the, the ticket yet? <laughs> I think you had to go to a, one. How many, was Mike? or Chris McMonagle, someone had to get to a Broadway show. I don't remember who it was. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was a wild one. Uh, so John Schweibacker works at the station. He's been here forever. He was always the one who was putting together the questions and the audios. And, you know, he could, you know, he's a sports savant. Every sport, he remembers everything. You know, he's great with these questions and audios. And Chris and I would try to find a couple of audios that we thought were um, a little extra tricky to make it easy. You know, because once... You know, the one negative was people on Twitter would put the answers out and that drove me nuts. So if you're going to put out that the, the answer to the audio is Dave Brown, well, then you're going to get a guy you never heard of before. So we would go find, you know, these impossible clips that I couldn't find the quotes on the Internet and, and make a game out of it and, and make you really think and research based on the clip that, you know, who could it be? What team is the guy on? What year does it sound like it could be? And, um, you know, try and put it together. So, yeah, that night. I don't remember what the actual question or order we were asking was, but it went, you know, we went 25, 30 minutes. And I'm pretty sure how we resolved that was that Evan had to do the contest the next day Saturday. on the Saturday show. So um, we, we really got him there. That was, a, that was a victory, a rare one. Yeah, when in doubt, it's Joseph Adai. Uh, it was the audio, it was the audio clip. But I think there was one year, I remember Mike was like, oh, we're not doing it this year. There's no sponsors. And then the Mongo nation I was in an uproar and you guys ended up having to, to deal with the next week. So always fun. And, uh, you know, yeah, I, missed always, that. I mean, look, I missed Mike in the marquee, man. That was so much fun. Yeah. Mad dog. He does it still, but he's, he screams at people when they don't know the answer, even though it's like really tough questions. So, but that was always fun. Obviously, you know, you, you were in there with Mike for, for a long time. He's, he's had some amazing rants. He's got some, great moments like turn my mic on and throwing his glasses with Edwin Diaz. What are some uh, really memorable, memorable ones for you? And did you ever like have to really like do your best to hold back laughing in order to, to not make him upset? No, I mean, look, there were, there were things that there were, you know, you, you laughed during the rants, but you know, the one that really sticks out um, was, well, the rant against Ben McAdoo when he sat he live was one of my favorites, but the, the interview it was about Odell with McAdoo where it got 
I mean, McAdoo handled it great because, I mean, he really, Mike, really, not, not in a personal way, but in a professional way, went after him. And it was one of those that, you know, we call a, you know, producer hides under the, hides under the desk moment where it's like you feel a little awkward. And it got to that point where Chris and Chris had to leave. McMonagle had to leave the studio. And I was hiding under the desk with some of the questions that Mike was asking, which are all good and fair questions. But, you know, I wouldn't have the guts to ask them. So, I mean, for Mike to do it or anybody to do it, you know, to be in that studio and have the, the coach getting, you know, grilled, rightfully grilled, but res- with respect, you know, it, it's it, it was tough, man. That was a uh, that was a good one. So and look, you, you know, you don't get a laughter on a rap. Something's funny. It's funny. So the, you know, I wasn't there for it, but the Mike rant about the Mets when they, you know, they blew the game to the Rockies. You know, Martel was in there for that one. You can see the video. It was actually Ray. No, it wasn't right. It was Pete Bellotti and Mike Carver were in the studio when they they blew the game to the Rockies, and that was Mike's epic Mets rant about Collins and all that. You know, and then you know what the guy was doing at second base. It was just it was that was hilarious. But you know, you you know, if it's funny, you laugh. That's just what it, you know. It's there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's part of the business is entertainment. So I mean, if it's entertaining, even if it's somebody being angry, it's it's funny to laugh at it. You wouldn't yeah. get mad about that. Obviously, uh, the Pat Shermer one was great too because Pat stopped calling in the show. But yeah, I don't remember what happened there. To be honest with you, <laughs> Newsday had that before I did. What do you? Uh... Remember when about when A Rod decided he was just going to show up at the studio and walk in and go on with Mike? I remember that he asked me to hold his coat for him, and he and honestly, A Rod for all the grief he gets and a lot of it's self-inflicted. Most of it is, you know, he could not have been a cooler dude. Every time I met him, he, he's polite, he's he's friendly, um, you know, he's funny, um, and he's a presence, man. He, he he's but. Every time I've had to deal with him, whether it's on the phone or in person, he couldn't be he couldn't be better to me. You know, I'm just a moron that he's talking to. But, you know, he was friendly that day. Um, I just remember what I here's what I remember. I remember him coming in, doing the interview. I remember one of our salespeople wanting to go in and grab the cup of coffee that he was drinking because <laughs> it was say rods. And I remember a crowd of like 25 people out in the newsroom like clapping when he came out so um that 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 was that was memorable and that was that was a crazy day yeah absolutely no doubt about it i also used to love when callers would you know say something to mike and that he'd be like mons get eddie c on the phone right now what what goes through your mind in those scenarios where he's basically having you call somebody right away and no that's not a big deal i just know that eddie's not going to answer his phone so you know (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, you never you know where the hell it is going to be. You know, he could be sitting there with Guardia somewhere. But um, that's part of the job, man. You got to track these guys down. Uh, you know, you know. Now we have the ability to text, which makes life a little easier. You can give somebody a heads up. Um, you know, but getting Eddie and Sweeney on the line, you know, you just got to hope that at the moment, you know, they weren't talking to the manager or getting you know cuts from a player, but. Yeah, that's part of the job. You know, sometimes you got to be on top of that before they tell you. If you get somebody on the line and say, look, we have this person, we have this person. Um, but, you know, getting somebody, especially if they work for us, not a big deal. So what about Eddie C and his hockey picks now? Hmm. Eddie C always bet on hockey. That, that was, I don't know if he bet on it, but he was always, uh, he always picked hockey. So long before he did it on the mics on app, uh, he did the, uh, you know, he did, he would always tell me, you like this, you like this, you like the Anaheim Ducks. You know, you know he was Eddie, Eddie was a bit as a big uh, hockey guy. What are the main differences for you when you know you're producing for someone like Steve Summers versus Mike and now Musa Maggie? And if you want to mix in Evan in there and all the different people you work with, 
Um, just knowing the host. You know, Steve is very into his show open. So, you know, making sure that whoever is on the board with you is paying attention. And, you know, if he's got a, a clip or a bit or a sound effect that he wants, we make sure we're on top of it. And, you know, we don't, you know, we don't mess that up. Yeah, with Moose and Maggie, it's, it's more of just, you know, coming up with interesting show topics, findings, you know, maybe different angles here and there. You know, Evan is very low maintenance, you know, to work with him on Saturdays, whatever. You just want to, you know, he's very good at reacting to the games. He's got more sport information, you know, sports information than, you know, anybody you can imagine. He watches everything, he goes everything, at least before he had babies, he did. Um, and then with Mike, I mean, look, the deal with Mike is, you know, as I told people uh, many times is, you know, just don't, you know, just don't be a distraction. You know, you're basically there to help him you know, not hurt him. So, um, you know, be, be his, be his right-hand man, be, be, you know, be his Google. Um, you know, it, it was just not, not getting in the way with Mike. Cause you know, Mike, you know, a doorknob could produce Mike's show when they finished first. So um, you didn't want to be a reason, you know, any, uh, something that would hurt the show. And I don't, you know, I, I feel as though I did a good job of not doing that. So, um, but you know, every, every host, you know, has, has their different needs for, for a producer. Some, you know, we're very, um, you know, higher maintenance than others, but all are, are great to work with. So I also wanted to ask uh, the timings of, of all these programming because with Mike you used to work in the afternoons. Now with Moose and Maggie, uh, you kind of been moved up to like that middle time slot where Joe and Evan used to be. Uh, obviously, you have familiarity uh, working overnights and working nights and, and weekends and stuff like that. So I want to ask, uh, what is your favorite time to work? And I know this is probably a little bit different for you now than it was even five to 10 years ago uh, because of your, your family at home and now your, your, your increasing family at home. Uh, but what would you say is your favorite time to work or what would you say is, is the best time for you that, that works? So, you know, every time frame has their perks. Like overnight, there's like no rules. You know, uh, you know, you get to pop the mic on whenever you want. You're, it's, you know, there's a couple less callers, you know, because it's the overnight. Uh, there's more flexibility. You know, the afternoon to me is still, you know, the prime shift as far as being here dirt for the station. You know, but for a lifestyle, you know, honestly, the hours I have now are the best. Uh, I'm a morning person. I like getting up early. I'm up at five o'clock every morning. I like being on the train. I, I like catching up on, you know, the night before on the train, previewing the stock market, all that stuff. Um, and then, you know, catching that, that 20 to five, 25 to 30 minute nap on the train right home and hoping there's a Ranger game on and not having to worry to get home and, you know, be in the fourth inning of the Met game. So uh, right now, for my lifestyle, the, the hours I currently have are have been my favorite. Tell us about the, the WFAN Fantasy Baseball League. We always hear so much about it. Is there any scenarios where you totally fleeced Evan on a big trade? And what are those big-time big, big time drafts like in the studio? Well, well they, they, we didn't have one last year. I mean, we did a, a league that was different, but we didn't, you know, keep our – keep. we have our keeper league. We just kind of passed it over for a year. But, you know, it, it's, it's a lot of good guys. You know, it's myself, McMonagle. You know, uh, Evan, Mike Tadasi, uh, you know, um, guys who used to work at the station, Ernie. Um, Ernie still works at the station, but, you know, a lot of the guys in promotions, um, it's competitive. It, you know, it's trash talk. 
it's competitive. Um, you know, Evan doesn't, you know, he makes a lot of trades, but not with me. I got, I don't know why it's just because I always consistently kick his ass. I think, um, I beat him in the championship last, uh, last year, you know, and I had Mike Trout and Christian Yelich both on the DL. So it was extra embarrassing for him. Um, but you know, the best trade I made, um, I'm very big with trading the draft. I like moving up. I like getting aggressive. It's a keeper league. You know, I have Mike Trout. I have Christian Yelich. Yelich I have DJ LeMayu this year. I'm not going to keep him though. I'm going to fight with McMonagle. Him and I share a team. I want to keep Raphael Devers over him. Um, he was a sixth round pick. He's only 24, 25 years old, coming up a year with 50 doubles. Um, I think he's going to be a big asset, but I traded up with Reco. I remember, I don't remember the exact trade, but I didn't have a sixth round pick. And I thought Raphael Devers was going to have a monster year, not in the pandemic year, but the year before that um, I traded up like multiple picks to get up to that spot. And I was able to nab Devers there. And it was a brilliant move on my part amongst many, but um, I was able to flee somebody to get Christian Yelich uh, before he became an MVP candidate. Um and I don't, I don't even remember the trade to get Mike Trout, but I remember I gave up a lot. But uh, the league's a lot of fun. It, it also, I, I say this a lot, people don't believe me. Um, you know, my wife doesn't believe me. But, you know, fantasy sports really helps you know the <laughs> non-local teams. You, yeah. You're forced to, to study this. So, um, you know, that's why I love fam- paying attention to games right. I probably never would pay attention to. You know, baseball-wise, you pay attention to all the football games. But baseball-wise, you know, there's no reason I'd be locked into to Mariners Angels on a Tuesday night outside of me having Mike Trout, you know. So it, it really helps you know, you know, the outside local teams much more than you would anyway. Yeah, I think we need to get Tom Izzo to do a live stream of the next draft on the, on the YouTube account. That'd be fun. That'd be, I mean, you have to bleep everything time. I say, but yeah. <laughs> the dumb button. Now, I, do my, of, I do my most trash talk I do is at the draft. I, you know, McMonkle would say this in the, the podcast that, you know, I am relentless at the draft. If you turn down a trade offer, I just destroy you. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, one of the biggest <laughs> one of the biggest guests you ever booked had to have been the big dog, Roman Reigns. How did you yeah, that was fun. How, how did that come about? Did Mike have any idea who he was? And did yeah. WWE contact you on that one? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I have a couple friends who worked in public relations there. I hope they still do. Today, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. Direct TV Stream brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. And the best part? There's no annual contract. So stop waiting and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. COVID-19 is still around, but that doesn't mean the Army ROTC programs are not there for you. Earn scholarships for school and pursue the career you want. The leadership-developing Army ROTC classes will give any full-time student the focus and resources that can open doors down the road. Start sharpening the skills that will carve out your future today. Learn how at goarmy.com ROTC. Army ROTC, now accepting college scholarship applications. Visit GoArmy.com slash money for college. You know, hopefully with what's going on that they weren't laid off. Um, but no, we were talking for a while and, and they, you know, they came about WrestleMania was here in New York. Um, they said, listen, we have Roman, you know, but we want to put him on Mike. And I'm like, all right, well, let's, let's see what happens. Um, I went to Mike. I said, listen, um, I know this isn't your thing, but. This is an A-level guy. Everybody's going to know him. It'll be a story if you have him on. And he recognized him from a commercial he did or a PSA he did with his daughter. 
So Mike kind of had an idea and I tried to, normally I don't have to prep, wouldn't have to prep Mike in any interview, you know, Mike knows what he's doing, but I felt for this one, I'd have to give him some stuff and he didn't want any help with it. He wanted to take it, the interview from a, I know nothing about wrestling. I'm going to admit that I have no idea what a storyline is, you know, what this is, what that is. I'm going to talk to Roman or Joe is his name, but I would talk to Roman as a novice wrestling person. Ended up being a tremendous hour radio. Um, Roman told us that it was the most fun interview we had that day during a stream of interviews because it wasn't the same seven questions he got asked over and over. Different questions he had to think about. You know, questions you wouldn't get asked on a day in and day out basis. Not about, you know, what's your thoughts on your opponent, Drew McIntyre. It's just, you know, it was, you know, how'd you get into the business? What's the difference between Roman Reigns and Joe? You know, talk, talk about your family a little bit. So. You know, Mike handled that one really well. It was a lot of fun. And my kid was able to come and get a picture with him, the whole thing. It was, nice. it was a great day. Obviously, Moose is a big wrestling fan, so hopefully no, he's he not. gets – No, he's not. He's, not. He's, a, he's a liar. He's a faker. He's a liar. Okay. He'll watch it. He, he uses my oh. WWE Network login. <laughs> Maybe he's going to get Peacock. Maybe he's going to get Peacock now. Major money. No, he will. You know, he'll claim he can't afford it, but yeah. Well, you know, he could be – he might be able to get Peacock for free because – it's owned by NBC Universal, who has a big stake in SNY where he works. So maybe he'll oh, be using yeah. his log in here. But uh, no, I think Moose's kids are wrestling fans, so he'll get into it. You know, he'll watch it. He watches all the events and he'll text me, who do you think's going to win the Rumble, bro? But he'll. Um, <laughs> you know, I can say anybody at that point. I can be like, uh, Duke the Dumpster Drosy. Oh, right, cool, man. I'll so we won't, be ha- we won't be having the Moose taking over for Taz post WrestleMania and WF fan. Maybe it'll be you and, <laughs> no. you and Evan. I think that'd be, uh, that'd be great. A lot of fun. The show. Yeah, Costco, throw him in. It'd be a lot Absolutely. of fun. Absolutely. So tell us how it came about where you asked Mike for WrestleMania tickets. That was it. I literally said, listen, you know, I can't believe I'm asking you this, but, you know, I, I, I you know, WrestleMania is at, at MetLife, you know. And I, I remember, I, I think if I recall the conversation correctly, it was, he was like, how many tickets you need? And I was like, well, because I needed a lot. Like by a lot, I mean like four or five, not like two. And he's just, how many tickets you need? Made a phone call, picked up tickets the next day. Didn't have to pay a dime. It was awesome. I remember going to the parking lot with a couple of Jersey Mike subs and, you know, a 12 pack with my friends <laughs> and we had a great time. Rock versus John Cena was the main event. Yeah, absolutely. A great to yeah, welcome WrestleMania. Yeah, I mean, I thought the second one was better, although it was much longer. And but even then, when you watch it back on the network, I think the crowd energy uh, still kind of holds up pretty well. Uh, I mean, six hours of wrestling is a lot, you know, especially in that environment, especially when you're tailgating all day. Uh, but for me, I thought it was worth it. Uh, I, I went obviously both years, but I enjoyed 35 more than I did 29. And, and the reason why I did that is because obviously I sat a little bit closer. I ended up paying 300 bucks a pop for my tickets, but uh, it was totally worth it. Nick was sitting in the section directly next to us. So I, we were sitting in one end zone. I think you liked during the Randy Orton match. So that was... Uh, something that was that was wild, and obviously Kofi won the title, and uh, they had a great match, and Becky won the title. That was a, a, became Becky two belts. But we wanted to ask you. Uh, so now that Edge has returned, Edge seems to be big time fan favorite. Uh, was out for ten plus years, came back how, last year. How do you, now he's back. He won the, the Rumble. There's no fans. There's no fans. 
you know, I, I think Monzo that edge is going to take on edge. Yeah. I think edge is going to take on Roman reigns and there's going to be fans. And I think Roman's going to get cheered at Tampa Bay. Yeah. I I think they're both going to get cheered to be honest with you. You know, I think that's going to be the match too. I can't really tell you that I'm excited about that. I mean, it'll be fine. You know, I've become a sucker for the big event. So even if like it's not booked well, I'm still looking forward to sitting down with my friends and, you know, my son who's a wrestling fan and, you know, on the big screen TV and ordering tacos and, and having, you know, a couple of beers. So, I mean, it, it could honestly, it could be, uh, you know, edge versus gangrel. I'd look forward to it, but, but that match itself, I and mean, they've done a tremendous job. We think with booking Roman again, we're, we're going off the sound that they're forcing us to hear. You know, they're assuming people will actually be cheering Goldberg before the Goldberg McIntyre match, which would never happen. Um, so, no, I think I think that'll be you know, the battle of the spear. I mean, I don't know how much you sell it. You know, it's, um, you know, to me, it's a tough look if you're going to have that match for Roman to put over Edge, who's just hasn't been in the business for so long and has been injured a couple of times. And Roman's just been dominant since he returned to SummerSlam. It's, you know, I, it's a tricky spot there. You know, I felt like I felt like dog there, all analyzing it, but it's a tricky spot. Uh, it's a tricky spot there. Um, I didn't love what they did with Kevin Owens, so they basically just you know destroyed him the last couple months uh, with Roman. But um, you know, I don't really know what I'd like for WrestleMania. I thought the match was Daniel Bryan and Roman, um, and I, I I wasn't sure what I had in mind for Drew at this point. Maybe maybe a rematch with Brock, which isn't all that exciting, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be Edge, and I think it's, you know, unless you get Christian involved, you know, you create like family versus family. I, there's a lot of things you got to think of before you actually get into the match. What I'm looking forward to seeing what they do is with, you know, is revisiting this, this, the Fiend Bray Wyatt versus Randy Orton. Uh, I'm sure that's going to be at Match of Mania. I think it's going to be exciting. I love what they've done with Alexa Bliss. They made her, you know, she was already a, a tremendous competitor, and now she's, you know, not only that, she's a tremendous actress as well. And what she brings to the table now playing this uh, multitude of characters is really well done. I'm glad you brought up the, the fan chants because I argue with this Joe, with Joe all the time. And I said, there's no way anyone's chanting, this is awesome, in the middle of the no Raw way. Rumbles. So it's, it's, all, it's all fake. It's all piped in. It's, it's the dream. There's no, it's all fake, Joe. There's nothing, there's nothing there. Uh, but yeah, I think I think we're gonna see Daniel Bryan taking on Seth Rollins. And, yeah, they set that up at the Royal Rumble. Yeah, so we'll see that. I don't know who Drew's gonna face. Uh, I think if Brock comes back, he needs to go after Roman as a face, though. And you know, they fight over Paul Heyman on a pole or something. I don't. I don't need him coming back, to be honest with you. You know what? I, here's what I wanted. Here, here was the storyline I had in mind that I knew they wouldn't do. At the Survivor Series, Seth Rollins sacrificed himself. I was hoping that he was writing off that character and he'd come back at number 30 in the rumble with the burn it down theme and come back Uh. as that Seth Rollins going after Roman Reigns. Like, and there's a history there. I just got goosebumps thinking about it. There's a story there. And I think that would, that would have satisfied the fans, even though they got a little stale with that Rome, with that Seth towards the end, that story would be one I'd want to see play out. Yeah, the Monday yeah. Night Messiah has just run its course. Right, and, and you know what? The Monday Night Messiah never had fans. So, right. I mean, in person. So, I mean, we don't know how they would have reacted to them. Right. Yeah, Authors of Pain, they were horrible. And they, they were gone right away. So, uh, Murphy, though, was great. Fortunately, he's off TV now that he's dating Rey Mysterio's daughter, apparently. 
What do you what do you think we're going to be seeing with with John Cena here at WrestleMania? Nothing. I don't think he's going to. I don't think. Didn't he say he's like shooting some show nobody's going to watch in Vancouver? <laughs> he said he was shooting a movie. I don't know. Uh, you know, I mean, he had that that thing with with Bray Wyatt last WrestleMania, which was kind of cool, but we only got to see the Fiend for about two seconds. Um, so it, it's you know, Cena's. I like Cena. I'm one of his fans, but you know, I've never seen somebody leave be a part-timer, but never show up. So, I mean, I mean, I guess The Rock did, but I mean, you know, Cena basically made it like he was never going to do that, and he's, he's done that. Yeah, it's, it's Hollywood taking over. Uh, he's obviously had a, a three-WrestleMania feud with Elias. Uh, Elias, what do you think about him? I think he's tremendous. We talked to Jimmy Corderas last week. He said he's got the total, he's the total package, but doesn't seem like uh, things are going too well with him right now. He's losing a Jeff Hardy every chance he gets. Yeah. You know, they, they can't seem to figure out what to do with him. Um, he'll face, he'll face, he'll face, you know, I, I think he's got to kind of be that tweener guy who, who, you know, can clearly go in the ring. He's in great shape. You know, he's got the entertainment value with the guitar and the songs. Um, you know, they got to put a title on him. I think, I think that'll make him interesting. They, you know, he had, what was it, the United States title, I guess, for a little bit or with the Intercontinental, one of them for, for a few weeks. But, um, you know, he's a guy that I, I he gets reaction, good or bad, which is fine. Um, they just got nothing for him. You know, I, I think they've really been drawn, you know, been thrown off with the, the pandemic and the no fans. And it, it really staggered what they think they should do with people. Because if they think that an audience would care about Rey Mysterio versus Seth Rollins, you know, it's just, you know, and I love Ray and I feel bad saying this, but I've had enough of Ray Mysterio. Like, I, you know, I, I just, I don't need to see him anymore. It's not right. that I don't think he's a great competitor. It's just, I'm ready for new wrestlers. No, I don't need to see the right. hurricane after totally the Royal Rumble again, by the way. No, it's true. No, absolutely. Could have definitely gone to somebody else. Uh, I wanted to ask you, who are your favorites when you were growing up and who are your favorites now? Because your taste always Bret Hart. Taste seems to change. Bret Hart was always my favorite. See, it's interesting like, because a, a lot of people like, yeah, like he was my cousin's favorite too, but a lot of people don't necessarily like Bret Hart as much because he wasn't really necessarily as great on the microphone. You know what I mean? Like my favorite of well, all I time mean, is The Rock. Well, yeah, but see, like The Rock was my second era wrestling. My first era was Bret Hart, Hogan, Warrior, right. Boss Man. Like that was my first era wrestling and the breakup of the Rockers, which, you know, almost – um, hold on, I'm getting like multiple calls here. Um, uh, Malusis is calling me. Dove's calling me. What are we doing here, guys? Oh man, uh, <laughs> I know. Malusis wants to talk wrestling. He probably wants to play no, his right. WrestleMania bet. So let me try and get back to you guys now. here. <laughs> Am I back to you guys? Yeah. I mean, it's just clearly I'm busy, guys. Um, so yeah, I mean, the, the breakup of the Rockers ruined my weekend. Um, I always thought, I always think, what would have happened if they gave Marty Jannetty the push? I think, I think that's well, they the tried to. They gave me Intercontinental title, but uh, you know, Marty's got his own set of problems, uh, yeah. you know, now. But you know, um, that second generation. No, I was, you know, who I was into that second generation. I was really into Kane. I loved Kane. I loved the Kane character. Not the Kane character now, but the Kane right. character in '98, '99. That first blood match with Austin. The following night on Raw '98, which was the same night Hogan beat Goldberg for the title. I mean that look. I, I I tell my son this all the time. He has doesn't can't appreciate it because he wasn't there yet. But that that Monday Night Wars thing, there was nothing they could do whatever they want with AEW and with WWE. Nothing will be better than the Monday Night Wars for the for that you know one year 
time of WCW beating WWE and then coming back with DX. I mean, nothing was better than that. So, Brian, let's make believe you were in a WWE fantasy keeper league here and you get to pick two men and two women. Who would be your, your, your picks here? I thought you were going to ask me to fantasy book a match. Um, you can do that uh, too. If you well, want. Uh, you know, I'd go with Alexa and Sasha. I think they are the two premier. Oh, no, I'm an idiot. What am I saying? I go with, I love Sasha. I go with Alexa and Charlotte. Charlotte's a main event competitor no matter what she does. Um, she is, you know, I don't know why, you know, I was talking texting some friends. Like, I can't stand Charlotte. She is the best wrestler on the roster. Like, not, not male, female. They're the best wrestler. She's better than Absolutely. all the male. She is, she is a main event draw just by her presence and what she is on the mic and how good she is in the ring. And um, she is the best. Um, I'd make Alexa second. Uh, as far as the male version of that, that's a tough question, man. Uh, you got to throw Roman in there just because, um, you know, how great he's been able to transition to this character. And this version of Finn Balor in NXT, who is that tweener version of, you know, he tried to like do the full heel turn. It didn't completely work. So now he's just the prince. He's the champion. We go. We always knew how good Finn was in the ring. You know, now he's really able to be good in the ring and then be good as a character as well. Because, you know, as good as the, as cool as the Finn Balor character was when he was on the main roster, it got a little stale with the, the jacket and doing this a thousand times, you know, unless he came out, um, you know, in the makeup, the demon, um, you know, got a little stale, but this version of Finn is great. So I take a, a sleeper pick. I, I, I would go with, with Finn Balor. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great pick. Uh, I agree with you on Charlotte. Nick does as well. She's the best. Uh, I, I would take Charlotte, Sasha, and I would take Roman Reigns and Bray Wyatt, but that's personal preference for me. Uh, so I, I want like you to ask- I feel like they're like afraid to overdo Bray. Like I, they really are. Yeah, no, I agree with that. He's, he's the kind of character where you get him just right. A lot of people will be into him, but because he's so out there, if you put him on TV too much, a lot of people are going to be turned off by what he does. And I think, and I think there was, I think there was Nick is not Bray Wyatt's biggest fan, but I understand where he's coming from. No, I think there was a period of time where they thought the fiend was getting a little stale. So they took him off TV for a while. And now we're all kind of craving the return of the fiend. So they've at least done this well, but, you know, um, I think the key with Bray is letting Bray control it. And I think they have done that. Right. So you also, you mentioned Finn, and we, we have to bring up the Wednesday Night Wars here. You know, you touched on AEW. Uh, I, I like Dynamite. I think it's a good show. I, I think they're reaching the point now where they're starting to accumulate too many people who came from elsewhere or came from WWE. And a lot of people aren't necessarily getting as much TV time as they should. I think like Rusev and Miro is a perfect example of this. Uh, but AEW has consistently won that TV spot against NXT. And now with NBC Sports Network, not going to be anymore. Uh, all the hockey coverage is going to go to UA. They're going to probably change the schedules. NXT is going to go on a different night. AEW probably won the war. Uh, but what do you think about that whole situation? Uh, do you like AEW's product and their presentation? And, and do you have some favorites in AEW that you, you watch? Yeah, I, mean, I, I liked AEW at first. I still think it's a good product. I think they do a good job of making it a wrestling show. You're getting two hours of wrestling. You're not getting much banter in between. Um, but I agree with you. Like As much as I like and respect Sting, I don't need Sting in AEW you know, on a, with, a, with a relatively big role. You know, Too many of these guys, the Arn Andersons, you know, it, it's turning into Robert's Nitro. Yeah. It feels like it's turning into Nitro. And Nitro was awesome. Yeah, but when you, only, when you only have two hours – 
and you're really bringing in young talent, Sammy, all these guys that are tremendous. The, you know, people weren't familiar with the Young Bucks probably much before AW, the the, the niche wrestling fan. And, and you know, I, I want to see more of these guys and, and less of, you know, the guys that we've seen come in and out at, you know, you know, they brought in Cardona for a while, which was fine. But, you know, I, I was I on impact. Need, yeah, no, I don't need all these vets that, we, that we've seen, you know, leave WWE come in. Like, I, I thought bringing in Miro was fine. And I like to see him get a, a main event push. And it looks like they're going in that direction. But, you know, I don't think, and I mean this, I'm not just shilling for WWE here. I, I don't think they ever considered AEW competition to NXT. Because NXT is always going to be there, whether it's on the network, whether it's on USA. Um, it's going to have its fans. It's going to, you know, when I go back to full sale, it's going to be jammed with fans again. They're going to, you know, so I think NXT, they're not worried about NXT losing any ratings, I, I, I think, to, to AEW. I don't ever really, I didn't consider it a war because, right. you know, I could watch AEW and then I can go back and watch NXT or I can watch NXT and go back and watch AEW. So, you know, I wasn't really into the war itself. I was just looking forward to two good wrestling products. And I think you had that. What do you, how do you, how do you feel about, Obviously, your former co-worker with Team Taz, but they try to push his guys up as young new stars, but they can never win a match. That kind of bothers me. Uh, they, do, they do that with a lot of different guys, and it, it just it's tough to see. And obviously, I have rumors now that Cesaro, his contract's up. Uh, Ryback says he's planning to go there. I think everybody just wants to use it as a negotiation ploy, to be honest. And Chris Jericho says, everybody could thank me for the new contracts because it's true. Well, okay. it's a hit. People love it. People see the product, and it's great um, bringing in new people. So I understand the appeal of wanting to go there. I love seeing Taz. You know, I texted him a few weeks ago. Like, you are right now the best storyline in wrestling. So, you know, I'm happy for him to, to go there and be a big part of it because. Today, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. Direct TV Stream brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. And the best part? There's no annual contract. So stop waiting and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. You know, Taz, <laughs> like I know the Taz that's not the, the wrestling version of Taz. And he's like the coolest dude. But wrestling Taz is like a badass you know and I didn't get to see that in person that often so um to see him back to that character um you know the FTW character is just it's been a lot of fun and um you know I'm not overly concerned with the storylines I'm just glad he's in the mix yeah I think it's been really great to see him and his storylines and we'll see what happens maybe him and Taz get physical in their their big uh, cinematic type of match now you mentioned fantasy booking so Joe and I have been saying for a long time here, and they kind of missed the boat on this, but hopefully it still happens. We got to see Becky return after she faces Ronda. They got to do Becky versus Charlotte versus Sasha versus Bailey. What do you think would be a reasonable way to, to get to that type of match? So you're talking about getting, bringing the, whole, the four horsewomen into a, into a, into a fatal four-way, four, right? four I suppose. Um, four yeah, I mean uh, – you know, it, it, clearly you have there's heat between, you know, on air, uh, you know, written heat between Sasha and Bailey. Um, there's always been heat between Sasha and, and Charlotte. So it's just, I, you know, I think you just got to make it happen, to be honest. I, I don't think you got to make it a main stage. You know, maybe, you know, Becky returns in a tag team fashion with Charlotte. And then, 
you know, they start to have heat between those two and then you incorporate the other two. But no, that's that's a dream match. You know, it's amazing how long we've seen these four compete against each other going back to, you know, their days in NXT. And then obviously the the Sasha Bailey match at NXT Brooklyn, the original one of the greatest matches I've ever seen. Um, and then, you know, throw any match with Charlotte, you know, her match with Oscar WrestleMania year, a couple of years ago was tremendous. So right. no, I mean, look, you want to see those four, you know, go against each other. We saw three of them go against each other in Dallas a couple of years ago with the worst WrestleMania of all time. Right. Uh, WrestleMania Mrs. 32, Mrs. But... WrestleMania. I mean, that was, uh, you know, she, that ridiculous move off the top turnbuckle outside yeah. of the ring. That uh, and Zack Ryder went in the winning the are the only two things that you remember from Dallas, but they'll be back in Dallas next year. Yeah. So, I mean, look, maybe they'll look to get those four together at WrestleMania. And look, who knows what, you know, your body, you know, you don't mean to tell you this, but your, your body changes when you become a mother. So I don't know, you know, if, you know, hopefully Becky wants to come back. You don't know if that's the case. Right. Yeah. You may never see her as a full-time performer. Again. No, you'd be, uh, I'd be stunned. Hopefully she come back. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask your favorite match because we mentioned the, the four horsewomen fatal four way. It happened in NXT has not happened on Raw SmackDown or pay-per-view yet. Uh, I always wanted to see Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins versus Dean Ambrose at a WrestleMania. It didn't happen at a WrestleMania. It happened at a, a, a regular paper pay-per-view in battleground. I ended up going, I ended up making the drive with my friend. So that was uh, really exciting for us. But what is off the top of your head? Uh, what was your favorite match? Maybe the match that made you become a wrestling fan or, or some match that uh, as you got older and started appreciating it more, you just look back on your member and it was awesome. So two from the old days and uh, well, uh, two from the old days, maybe three and one re- world relatively recent one kind of uh, really sticks with me. Uh, WrestleMania eight, Bret Hart, Rowdy Piper, intercontinental title, a lot of blood in the match. Um, great match there. Bobby Heenan telling Rowdy Piper, what the hell used the bell? One of my favorite lines of all time. Um, <laughs> that same WrestleMania, uh, the Undertaker's face debut at WrestleMania. He was a heel WrestleMania 7. WrestleMania 8, uh, the Undertaker, Jake the Snake Roberts. Uh, relatively short match, but uh, Jake did a tremendous job um, really putting the Undertaker over there, taking a tombstone on the outside of the ring, and then Bobby Heenan saying, that's it, he's dead. Um, is hilarious and saying he broke his neck. <laughs> you know, one he puts him into the ring. One, two, three. Good night. It was great. Bobby Heenan it was just it was brought so much to every match he called. Um, WrestleMania nine, even though he lost and the story was horrible. Uh, Bret and Yoko. Uh, I was a big Bret Hart fan, so that that match really sticks with me. Bret loses that match, and Mister Hooch throws a salt in his eyes with the horrible ending with Hogan going into the ring. But you know that match really stands out to me. Um, and then in a recent one, and I've called this the best WrestleMania match of all time, and I've gotten absolutely killed for it. But the match that I really thought was entertaining and told a great story was WrestleMania 31, Roman and Brock, uh, when Seth came in and cashed in money in the bank. I thought that was such a good match. I don't know if Brock was supposed to bleed, but he bled like a maniac. You know, Roman laughing in the ring occasionally. JBL was awesome on the announce table. Seth's music hitting out of nowhere. Seth's shaking the tent. I thought that was so entertaining. I didn't know what was going to happen. I, you know, I, I hate the expression marked out. I like marked out. I was so into that match. I thought that was the match that really put Roman over the top and Brock was great as well. You know, that was where Suplex City started, um, told the great stories. That, that to me, you know, I've called the best WrestleMania match of all time. And I've gotten killed for that, but I think it's, I think it's a great match. It's one of the most yeah, rewatchable matches I've seen in a long time. Absolutely. I told Totally agree. I think it's one of the most enjoyable 20 minutes you could watch as a wrestling fan. 
just because of the atmosphere. Uh, everybody was Remember, right at the beginning of that match, Roman and... catches Brock early. You know, it almost like looks like it pissed him off in real life. Um, it was great. Yeah. It was a great story. There are a lot of lot of little things about that match. Uh, just because you're a Bret Hart guy, and I always like to mention my cousin, um, his two favorite matches are Bret Hart versus Mr. Perfect, SummerSlam 91, and obviously great the match. WrestleMania match, the submission match with Austin at WrestleMania mm-hmm. 13 with the blood and Austin passing out. And uh, But I figured you're – you're a huge Bret Hart guy. He's a huge Bret Hart, Bret Hart guy, so you'd probably appreciate that. Uh, we're going to let you go soon. Uh, we know you're busy. We know you got calls coming in, but I, we wanted to ask you just a couple more questions before you let you, we let you go. Uh, you're a huge horse racing guy, and you did a lot of hits and a lot of uh, spots with regard to horse racing and, and the preview of the, the, the big Triple Crown races and the, and the Breeders' Cup. Uh, used to do all that with Mike, used to have on a lot of tremendous guests and a lot of great spots. So uh, for our listeners at home who are not necessarily into horse racing, but kind of are aware of the big races that go on when they come on during the year. Uh, so uh, Mike obviously owned a horse. Mongo Nation became super, super popular. Everybody used to get into that, right? Uh, I don't know if you yourself own any horse race uh, horses. I don't know if you are uh, partners or with anybody regarding that. Uh, but if you are, you know, you're more than welcome to share that with us. But I also wanted to ask you about your betting strategies, because for no, for somebody who's a total novice when it comes to betting on horses, uh, do you think there are two or three easy things or think the stuff that you could pinpoint right at the top that'll make it easier for somebody to get into it? Maybe if they spend a day at the track or something. So, yeah, it, it's, I'll try and make this as non-complex as possible. Mm-hmm. The, the why I like racing itself outside of having history with my father and being at the track and um, living close to Monmouth Park is you can bet the least amount of money and make the most amount of money. So, I mean, you can make a I mean, it's rare, but you can make a 50 cent bet and win a couple thousand dollars. So the, 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 the chances and look, that's that's rare, but it's doable. You know, to me, I, I still love the win bet. Um, you find a horse that you love at seven or eight to one, you know, or even lower, um, you know, you could still make a, a nice profit on that. You know, I, I had war of will in the Preakness a couple of years ago at six to one, you bang that for a hundred bucks, you had 600 bucks. And he was so, so such an overlay at six to one. Um, you know, the good prices are available. So I'll try and make this as easy as possible. I love, Outside of pick fours and pick threes, which you're picking simultaneous races, and you put as many horses in there, you can make a, a ton of money. I love trifectas. Do you know what that is? It's the first three horses in a race. But you can do it, either box those three. If I have a very strong opinion on a, a horse that's going to win a race, so let's say I like the one horse. I like the one horse at six to one or whatever. You can pick for 50 cents. You could do a, trife- a straight trifecta. So it has to come in this order. It has to come out one. And then you could put like five or six horses underneath in the second slot. And then I like taking the entire field in the third slot. So essentially you just have to have the winner and one of the horses you pick in second, and then hope the longest shot comes out in the third shot, because you can, if you have a winner, a relatively decent price in the second slot, and you get the monster long shot in the third slot, you know, you can make a 12 to $18 bet and cash out a couple thousand dollars. That to me is my favorite bet. If I have a very strong opinion on a winner, I love this horse. He's six to one. I think he's going to win this race. I am so confident. I'm going to use him in the top slot in a big bet. That that to me is my favorite bet in racing. If I, 
you know, so, you know, I'll do it in the Kentucky Derby. I'll do it in all these races. But, I, you know, on the weekends, if I'm at Saratoga or if I'm watching a race and there's a horse that's on the turf, a mile on the turf, I love this horse, seven to, seven to one. I'm going to use that horse on top, 50 cent base wager, that horse on top in the trifecta straight, five or six horses in the second slot. And I'm going to take the whole entire field in the third slot and try and get lucky. That would cover your summer if you hit that. There you go. Uh, nice. But there's nothing wrong with the old fashioned win bet. No, no, of course not. Uh, very good. Keeping, keeping it in very simple terms for our listeners. Uh, my uncle I confused myself there to be honest with you, but <laughs> my uncle actually uh, ha- has owned a, a couple of, uh, of horses, you know, partial owner of a couple of horses. Uh, my dad's very, very big into betting and uh, they used to bet uh, horses when I was around when I was younger and they, they still do. And uh over the years, uh, speaking for myself, I don't bet obviously every day, but I will bet the big races. Uh, I've gained an appreciation for recognizing horses' names, and um, I think like when you're when you're looking at the program, the very first thing that stands out to me is like breeding. You know what I mean? So if there's a horse uh, that is bred by a horse that you recognize that you used to watch race, maybe you watch that race, that, that horse win a, a big race, uh, either in person or maybe a Kentucky Derby or a Preakness, right? Uh, obviously I think there's a certain attachment that you get to those, those certain horses as well. Uh, and then you, you really break down stuff and you get to watch um, like the, the, the horses actually race out. I think there's something aesthetically pleasing, you know, about watching the, the horses race, the way the jockeys run, the way they take care of the horses before and afterwards. Uh, so I think there, it's a total experience. I think it's very misunderstood. Uh, and I, and I do know that sometimes when you had the horse racing segments on with Mike, a lot of people would tend to tune out obviously not their forte, but I think you did a really great job with that regardless. So, uh, you know, kudos to you. No, and I appreciate the stuff it. You did with Mike back then. Yeah. Look, we, I love doing the horse stuff. I work with Naira now and we do a uh, podcast every week. So um, I get a kick out of it. Uh, you know, we have some followers that really get into it. So if we can make you a couple hundred bucks a year, I'm happy. So why I wanted to ask you, uh, and this is finally before we let you go, you gave us a lot of great time today and we really, really, really appreciate it. No uh, the Rangers, I want to ask you, David Quinn, I, I believe we are reaching the fork in the road with David Quinn. Uh, have, do I think he's been good? No. But do I think he's been bad? No. But with, the, with these guys, the way that they're playing now, it, it, it seems as if something is just is off with the team. I don't know if it was Tony or not. And I think getting the Tony distraction for the D'Angelo distractions is going to, to help this team. Uh, but what are your fa- feelings on Quinn? Do you think he's done a good job? Would you give him the rest of the year? Would you give him next year? Uh, but do you think that they have reached that point that I think, and that Nick believes they have reached? Well, I'm going to throw them some, an, an early bone here because they didn't get their four or five preseason games. To me, that's a big deal. You know, that, that, that to me is not having, you know, Lafreniere or Taco play preseason games, you know, or Zabinijad get, you know, those five or six games to, to you know, get the COVID out of the system. You know, I, I think it was a big deal. And I think, you know, whether it's Tony or whatever, um, I think they've actually been fine this year with the exception of the one Buffalo game that they were not really – in the first period of the Islander game, the first game of the season – you know, my concern with the coach is I don't want him to lose Capo Caco because I'm afraid that's going to happen. I could see him becoming an unhappy player and that being a disaster. Um, sometimes when you're in a develop, you know, when you're in a team that's developing like the Rangers are, 
and maybe even overachieving. You know, you have this player you drafted second overall, a lot of hopes for him. He showed some flashes last year, certainly, you know, struggled at times, but at times was very good. And this year, um, I thought he's been very good just about every time he's been on the ice. I think he's been noticeable. You know, I think he has a nose for the net, even though he misses the, the net every time he shoots. But, you know, his thought process is shoot the puck. Um, and playing him on the third and fourth line consistently after looking like, like, looking like he's going to start in the Panera line, uh, big problem. Uh, I don't like that at all. Um, I don't need to see Colin Blackwell, even though he was getting a point a game, you know, playing with Artemi Panarin. I need to see Capo Caco playing with Artemi Panarin or Mika Zibanejad. Um, that's my main issue with, with, with Quinn is not how he's handling the rest of the team. Cause I think he's done a pretty good job. Um, I think he's trying to figure out the goaltending situation. We know that Jeff Starkin is the goalie of the future, but Georgiev's not bad either, but they've both kind of been decent at best this year. They haven't, been awful and a lot of the goals they've given up are breakaways deflections but you know they haven't made that one quiz save the extra save uh you know every game so he's trying to figure that out i think you're gonna have to look just you know shesterkin three georgiev one three one i think that's just what you're gonna have to do but my concern is how he's handling kako because you know if if this player becomes unhappy and we had a leas anderson situation it's just it's a disaster now he's given lafreniere the reins you know his first overall pick Overtime game winner, you know, nose for the net. He just – he hasn't let Kako, to me, develop the way we've needed him through his first season, you know, first full season in a couple of games here. Now, forget the fact he was on the COVID list last game. Looks like he's back and going to be playing. And at least in the video we saw in practice today, um, you know, whenever you guys are going to, you know, put this out live. But on Wednesday, he was practicing with what looked like Stroman Panarin. So you want to see that going again. But to me, my concern with Quinn is how he's handling – Kako and I don't think he's done a very good job you know guys like Lindgren look he's developed young players you know I think there was a point where we thought Ryan Lindgren wouldn't be on this team uh, and he's turned into one of their best defensemen you know what he's done with Adam Fox you know he's done a tremendous job with him what he's done with you know he's brought the, even though I think he's been awful this year he's brought the most out of Ryan Strom in his career so he's done a lot of good things you know his development of he's been a jet forget the fact he struggled this year to an elite player um, but my concern is Kako I'm not talking with a player, just how the coach is handling them. I think those are all totally fair points. Uh, I definitely agree with you in the sense that, uh, and I think this is with a lot of coaches, uh, for some reason, some young players take better very much sooner. We kind of saw this under Tortorella. Uh, guys like McDonough and Stepan were kind of flourishing first and Kreider kind of wasn't. And then we saw AV come in and it was kind of the same thing. Guys like Kevin Hayes were good but he watched JT Miller. Uh, and now you see David Quinn. He's done really good, great with Adam Fox. Uh, I think he's definitely given laughs some, some rain here. I think Buchnevich, he's done a good job with Buchnevich, but I'm not liking what I see from Kako either, you know? And, and I think you're, you're definitely right uh, in that sense. It, it, it's a mixed bag. Uh, uh, and I also feel like they're very content just kind of trying to win three, two games. Uh, they don't really flash off like that, the roster talent as much as they probably should. Uh, so I think that's my other big concern with him. Uh, but I, I definitely agree with a lot of what you said there. Yeah. I mean, look, they, they, if it wasn't for the goaltending other teams, they, you know, they would have won a lot of you know games. You know, they, I think a lot of the results of these games would be different because they've, you know, the, the goalie in Pittsburgh was tremendous. You know, Allmark was great in Buffalo in those games. So, I mean, they, they've run into some goal. I mean, you know, Varlamov shut them out the first game. You know, the game against the Devils, you know, Blackwood was tremendous. So, I mean, it's just, 
you know, I, I think there's they're going to be fine. I just don't want to see Kako become a, a problem. Um, I don't think he will be, but I just give him give him top six minutes. Let him struggle. I'd rather see him struggle there than struggle with, you know, Julian Gauthier and and with Brendan Lemieux. That's that's you know he's a, supposed to be a premier offensive player. I've seen it. I think he has it. You got to give him a chance. Absolutely. Uh, and thanks for giving us a chance for coming on. Uh, we really, really appreciate it, Mons. Uh, thanks again. Uh, usually we give our guests the last word in case if there's anything they would like to share, promote, but you did that, you know, plenty much throughout the episode. Uh, so we will let you go. Uh, but if there's anything else you would like to share, you know, go right ahead. Thanks again. Yep. Buy Pinterest stock and enjoy the new Foo Fighters album. All right, there you have it. All right, that's going to do it here for this episode of You Know I'm Right. For our special guest, Brian Monzo, and for my co-host, Joe Calabrese, I'm Nick Durst, and this has been You Know I'm Right. Hear that? That's the sound of someone trying to steal your crypto. Every day, thousands of hackers online are doing the same. That's why Arculus uses air-gapped cold storage technology to protect your assets. Using our keycard and wallet app to form a protective barrier, Arculus insulates you from hackers and puts control of your digital assets back in your hands. Order the first truly air-gapped crypto wallet at GetArculus.com.